hey you. I want to share with you something that I genuinely think will transform your life and your business, to be honest. HDX is open from now until May 17 with a few special bonuses. Join before May 11 and get my eight-week Purpose and Abundance course completely free, which is $888 worth of value. And if you join before May 17, we're actually going to give you $999 off our upcoming Mexico retreat. I mean, how good a freaking deal is that? And if you join before May 17, then you'll be in time for two amazing bonus classes this month in HDX with my personal business consultant, Nikki Rowley. Now, this is the woman that has helped scale my business significantly in the last year or so, and I am sharing her with my HDX community. She'll be teaching on how to grow and scale for business and what strategies and structures will actually get you there. She will also host a bonus business Q&A, which means you can actually ask my consultant anything you want to ask her about growing and scaling your business. This is an opportunity that could transform your life and your business, so don't miss out. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Arakwell people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. Are you ready to win at the game of life? Well, throw out that rule book and get down to the business of being the best and most authentic version of you. Welcome to the Human Design Podcast. We're changing the rules around success, abundance, purpose, love, and life, where we're creating a planet where everyone can thrive in a world that loves and supports each other. I'm your host, Emma Dunwoody, a qualified master coach, human design expert, podcaster, and entrepreneur that is living the life of my dreams, breaking all the rules while doing it, making a huge impact, and living my design and manifesting miracles on the daily. Join me as I break down and simplify everything you need to live in alignment with your human design, teach you how to recondition your unconscious mind for greatness, and to take back your power so you can manifest your heaven on earth and serve the rest of the planet at the same time. It's time to give up the fear and step into your highest potential, to reach for the stars, to know and live your greatness. It's what you deserve and it's what the planet really needs from you. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. I'm so excited to share today's guest with you. Ainsley McLeod is a 1-3 sacral manifesting generator the right angle cross of the vessel of love and is an internationally acclaimed past life psychic, spiritual teacher and award-winning author of The Instruction, The Transformation and most recently, The Old Soul's Guidebook. Ainsley specializes in exploring past lives to reveal your life's purpose and has been a featured guest on Oprah's Super Soul Conversation series and Ellen, by the way, he lives on a tranquil island in the Pacific Northwest. I have been hanging to have this conversation. I've now had two sessions with this incredible human. He is so, I don't know, he really just took my breath away, changed my life with the work that he did, and I'm so excited to share him with you. So enjoy the episode. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. In today's episode, I have another one of my all-time favorite guests with me today. Um, this is a human that, I've got to be honest, I've been watching from afar. I actually remember hearing him on 
the expanded podcast years ago and going, oh my God, I need to speak to this human. And um, that finally manifested this year. So I'm so excited to introduce Ainsley McLeod. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. I am so excited because um, not only have I kind of known and I've had it on this, you, you know, you on my radar for many years, but one of the things that although I had an intrinsic knowing that this whole past life thing is a thing, I never had any real experience of like, yeah, but how does it affect me until I worked with you? So before we really jump in, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Um, this gift of you being a psychic, um, do you call yourself a clairvoyant? I know you're a past life specialist. Um well, I, I I call myself a psychic. I didn't for the longest time. I was uh, when I first started doing this work. I was so embarrassed to tell people I was a psychic. Um, it was it, it took me. It was a couple of years before I settled on it. Basically, owned the term. Um, and the funny thing was, I was at I was at a party where the um, the hosts. The host's father was there, and he, he was asking. He was deaf, and he was asking me what I did for a living. And I was kind of using my usual sort of mumbling psychic. And he's going, "What psychotherapist?" And I'm going, "No, no psychic." And he's going, "Psychiatrist?" <laughs> what? And eventually, I just go, "No, psychic." And everybody in the room's kind of looking and laughing. It's like, and it's, I just thought, "Yeah, I got to own this." And uh, you asked about clair clairvoyance. I get a little bit of that. That's just the, you know, the ability to see images. Um, what I do is more clear audience. Um, at least that's what it's called. For me, it's like, uh, it's really hard to put into words, but it's like, um, <laughs> how do I put it? It's, it's like having thoughts that aren't mine just in the moment, like a sentence. Um, at a time so it's just uh it's not like a voice in the ear i've always wished it was it would be a little easier it's a little more i don't know sort of almost intangible yeah this thing it took a long time to to really work on developing that yeah and how did you did it just turn up one day when you were a kid or because i really resonate with that piece that you said like it's really intangible you know it's only recently that i've started to realize that i'm channeling so often yeah. but because i was the same i was like oh shouldn't it be a different voice you know that yeah. the differentiation so how did you discover your gift and then you know finally get to that place where you did step in and own it well i i didn't i i didn't know i was psychic and i mean even though you know, right through into my 30s, I, I kept having psychics telling me that I was psychic and should be doing something with it. And I just kind of, <laughs> how the hell do you get do you even get started? And I certainly didn't feel psychic. Only in retrospect, I could look back and there were just all these kind of weird experiences and things that I knew and 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 so on. But I never put it down to being psychic, just kind of like life's weird, isn't it? Uh, and it was really, uh, I had some major life upheavals, I guess. And uh, I moved from the East Coast, the West Coast of the States. And it was, uh, there was two things that happened that I talk about a lot. So, um, but I'll just very quickly tell you, these were two major epiphanies. One was, uh, the first one was um, literally the night that I arrived on the West Coast, and I'm sitting in this 
quiet apartment. I sat down to meditate, which I hadn't done for for a few years. Life had been pretty crazy and noisy, and I just thought, my God, I you know, really need to calm down. And I actually heard the voice of a psychic from about 10 years earlier, before I'd even, it was about five years before I even thought about coming to the States, and uh, or, or that became possible. And this guy told me I would end up in uh, California, uh, which I was, there was in California. Um and I protested. I said, oh, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to go. Uh, I mean, I ended up loving it, but um, I'd been there once before and I wasn't that impressed. But, um, you know, I remember him saying, there's nothing you can do, nothing, nothing. And, you know, so I heard his voice and it really got my attention. And it, it made me wonder, how can a psychic predict something like that? Because although, you know, I ended up there and I was sort of like, all the you know free will and and so on. I never at any point felt like I was making it happen. It was it was just like oh suddenly here I am, and then I heard that voice. The next day I just uh, went to a bookstore and just bought every book on psychics and mediums and spirituality I, I could carry, and just read a book a day for for a couple of months, and. Uh, the second big epiphany was about probably about a year after that, maybe a little more. And I took a trip to Hawaii, and uh, this was this was really the big one that got my attention, because even right before this experience, a psychic was telling me that um, my uncle was a spirit guide and he wanted to work with me. And uh, so I the next day I ran into my uncle in a bookstore and he was there large as life as real as you can get about 18 inches two feet away from me on my right side um only for about a second but with a long message about working together and that really <laughs> uh, that one really got my attention and i just went okay so um i went back home and uh, just thought well i'll give it a try so i just sat and kind of called him in you know, it's kind of, I really wasn't sure what I was doing. And uh, I was absolutely amazed that I I could connect and I was getting answers. I mean, it was very slow and um, it took me a long time to develop a trust. In fact, from, from there, I really spent about three years developing my, my skills because intuition is like any talent. And talents are all past life, past life ex experiences, uh, abilities that we brought into this life. And like any talent, it can be developed. You know, you don't sit down with a piano for the first time and play Rachmaninoff. You you have to work at it. And the same thing, I think, you know, to really develop your, your psychic skills, you need to you need to work on it. And particularly keeping yourself out of it. You get you got really got to get rid of the ego. I mean you can't be trying to read somebody imposing your own thoughts and feelings which can be hard to do you know sometimes yeah. i want to just go to say to somebody for god's sake just leave the bum you know get get rid of it you know? <laughs> but i've got to go with what the spirit guys want to say you know keep, keep my emotions uh, yeah and i think that that's probably one of the things that really stands you apart you know i mean i know you've had a great deal of success you know you've sat with oprah you've sat with ellen um and 
I think that in my experience, that's probably what makes you so amazing is the fact that your ego isn't even in the freaking room. Like the, the, the purity of what comes through is amazing. And, you know, as I said to you before, like I couldn't gush more about you. I think your work is so pure and honest and brilliant and powerful. And on that, I'd love to start talking about past lives because as I kind of, you know, um, touched on, I've always kind of believed in it, but it was only the experience that I had with you that was really epically groundbreaking for me because um, for our listeners, I'll just give you a little bit of a backstory. When we um, met the first time, Ainsley, um, one of the first things you said to me was that the lifetime just before this one for me, um, there was this, um, it was marked with a lot of sexual trauma in my childhood. And that moment changed my life because I've been looking for that trauma my entire life. I've looked everywhere. I was so sure that I just suppressed it because I've all, I mean, knowing trauma, that's the work that I do. So like I have the trauma response. I've worked on it for years, but there was always that part of me that's like, but where is it? You know, I could see how my friends had been experienced to it growing up. But my experience, I'd never had a physical experience of it. So having this reading, I can't tell you how much it set me free. It's also like kind of flicked the domino on so many things around relationships and all this other stuff. Like I can see how it's changed everything. Um, but the power of that experience of really understanding how our past lives do very viscerally influence our current life really did blow my mind. So can you talk a little bit about that when it comes to past lives, um, how are they kind of affecting, you know, life today, the one that we're living right now? Yeah. Uh, well, this is something that I got more and more into when I started uh, reading people. And I found in the early days that um, it took a little bit of time to find, you know, what my forte was, you know, what my my specialty was going to be. And uh, it, it, it was just that more and more I found myself exploring past lives to the point where, well, now before I have a session with anybody, I, I, I find a past life. I spent like 10, 15 minutes on my own just, just uh, you know, seeing what, what's going to come up. Because, well, you know, you hear people say, I mean, I get this all, all the, not all the time, but I do hear people saying, oh, I don't believe in past lives and, uh, or people say, I don't remember my past lives. And I argue that, you know, past lives explain everything. And we do remember them, but we remember them through our fears, phobias, limiting beliefs, blocks, um, and physical ailments, often areas of weakness in the body and that sort of thing. Uh, if you know what you're looking for, there are signs everywhere. Oh, and talents I mentioned before, you know, that... Um, Especially when you see kids with incredible abilities at age two, you know, sitting down and playing piano or whatever, um, they didn't just get that good in, you know, in the 24 months that they've been on the, on the planet. They're tapping into all the lifetimes and, and, uh, incarnations where they were a musician. So we're, we're all bringing baggage, if you like in with us. And so I got really interested in past lives, particularly because of the healing aspect to it. 
that I found that I would, in the early days, I, w- I would work with somebody and I'd find something in their past life. I'd, I'd bring it up. And then the next time I spoke to the person, they said, you know, that pain I had or whatever it was, it's gone. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, that is really what I find utterly fascinating about this work. The shifts and the changes that you can create are, are enormous. I mean, they're, you know, they're life changing for a lot of people. You know, if you've had a lifetime of, of chronic pain or something like that, and it, um, you know, it can, it can go within a couple of weeks, um, sometimes even quicker. You know, that the moment the soul is reminded that it's a past life issue and not a present one, it just, the, the healing begins. Um, it doesn't work for everything. I mean, you know, um, there's certain ailments that will respond, for example. Um, I've never, so far as, as far as I know, I've not been able to help anybody with cancer because it, does, it tends not to be a past life issue. But if there's an area of the, the body where there's a weakness, that's what, uh, that's what often shows up, you know, things like uh, migraines from from a head trauma in a past life. Um, similar sort of thing goes. You can go scan somebody's body and just get well. You know, you got you got you know, shot in your shoulder in World War One. You know, how's your shoulder now? And that's and, uh, you know, again where people often come back. Oh my gosh, you know, it's 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 healed up. And so that's where I get really excited and fired up about it. But I find the whole thing just endlessly fascinating because of all the tiny little ways that, that past life show up, the little quirks and idiosyncrasies, you know, why you don't like something or, you know, why you get two siblings raised under the same roof with the same experiences and, you know, one's got this problem and the other's got this issue. It's like really depends on the the past life experiences because they are the lens to some extent through which we see the world. Mm, I love that. There was one of my, um, like I've always had this weird fear of um, hurting myself and being on my own. And again, like I remember like from when we spoke the first time, how this was one of the things that came up because in the last lifetime I had fallen down the stairs and broken my hip and been alone and died. So I was like, wow. And I remember in that um, when we were talking about it, you were like often you just have to remind yourself, your soul now, today, that that was then and this is now. So I just got into the habit every time this weird irrational fear came up because I, for years I'm like, that's so weird. Why is that there? And, um, yeah, it's fascinating because, again, it's just like disappeared. It doesn't doesn't play out anymore. Um, and as I kind of sat with it and reflected on it, I also realised that it had been um, the catalyst for a lot of my anxiety. And I did a lot of anxiety when I was younger. And it was that fear of, of hurting myself or being sick and no one being around to help me. So it just blows my mind. It's fascinating. Something like that, you know, the, the, the biggest fear that the soul has is essentially abandonment. It's a fear of rejection. Um, and I, I would say probably the most common cause of that is dying alone. I mean, very often I see it with uh, the soul dying on a battlefield and just feeling abandoned by God, if that's their belief, or by humanity. And it shows up in this life usually as a tendency to uh, be something of an outsider or feel like you don't fully fit in. 
which mm. can be an experience for a lot of old souls anyway, because, you know, it's a younger soul world. But um, the fear of, of dying alone is big. One of the most, uh, sort of along those lines anyway, one of the most uh, spiritual things you can do for anyone is help them transition. You know, um, hold somebody's hand as they die. Mm. You know, soothe them, give them kind words, tell them how much you love them, that kind of thing. Because it actually could help to heal that fear um, as that soul is then going to process the life and coming back, you know, reincarnating. They come back in a much better state just through having died with people who love them around. It's one of the most important things. Wow. I love that. Um uh, something you just said just piqued my interest. Um, you know, you said the that old souls can often feel a little bit different because we live in a young soul world. Um, I know that was something for me that I asked you about. I had to know straight away, am I an old soul? Because I feel like one. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you've been around for a really long time. And I was lucky enough recently for you just to, you know, kind of tap into my kids as well. So I have two old souls children as as well. So can you talk a little bit about the age of a soul and maybe how specifically our lives might be a little bit different from one to the other. And then, sorry, because it's a three-barreled question, um, a little, talk a little bit about how we're in a young soul world. Um, mm. What does that mean? Okay. So um, you you come into this world, you know, from for a, an old soul, it would be something like, could be five, six, seven thousand years ago, and you've been reincarnating over and over. Um, if you're getting to the end of the journey, it's usually something around about 100 and something lifetimes. Everyone's different. It's like a horse race and we all get to the end at, you know, at different rates. But, um, you know, be typical 120, 110, something like that, um, lifetimes. And the journey is really one. It, it takes you from... Um, a place of me to we, from fear to love. And the way that that shows up is usually, um, well, in fact, one of the, the markers of being a very old soul is acceptance of others because you've been in every permutation. You've been, you know, rich, poor, black, white, brown, gay, straight, trans. You know, it's like who, wherever you look, there you go. You, you've been there. And it, uh, it creates a greater compassion. Uh, younger souls, bless them, with less experience. They tend to be a little bit more self-centered, maybe, um, you know, um, they're, not, they're not inherently bad people, or I always stress that as well, just because you're a young soul. It's not, it's not to be meant to be used as an insult or anything. It just is what you are, what you are. You know, you have no control over your soul age. You just, you know, you are. Uh, wherever you are in the journey, but the because this journey is taking you from a place where you're um, a little blocked by the illusion of separation to a, a place where you're you're more aware that we're all connected. It shows up usually uh, politically. It, it it causes people to um, the. Older soul tends to move on from the conservatism of younger souls. Conservatism kind of keeps them safe. And so, you know, it's a sign of being an older soul is to be, you know, more progressive politically, usually um, more spiritual rather than religious, although it's a blurry 
thing there. I mean, some people can be religious and be very old souls, you know. But, um, but these are sort of just, you know, simple ways of generally being able to tell. So usually where you, where you feel about, um, social issues. Oh, especially altruism, because that's one of the big differences, actually, if you think politically. Um, young souls very much, um, you know, will vote for maybe hot button issues or whatever really affects them. Um, and not always thinking about how it affects others. Whereas an old soul, you know, um, cisgendered, straight, older soul might, you know, vote in a certain direction because the, the candidate is, is, um, pro trans. That's the thing because they're more, they're more concerned, not just about what's happening to them, but what's happening to other people as well. You know, mm. um, just, it, it's a, you know, greater compassion and, uh, understanding as you get older that that we are all one now the thing is that a lot of old souls when i tell somebody that are very old soul they often say to me well if i'm such an old soul how come i got so many fears and blocks issues and so on because there is this idea that you get to be kind of like a zen like yoda character if you're going to be a really old soul but you know it doesn't always look like that but Usually the old the older soul is more aware. They've really learned the lessons that have allowed it to embody the really important core values like peace, truth, love, understanding, and so on. A um, mm. little hard for younger souls to, to get there. It's just a lack of experience. But we've yeah. all been there. I always say you should never beat up on younger souls because, you know, it's, it's like berating your seven-year-old because he doesn't know how to drive the car. You know, and just... <laughs> I just don't have the experience, but that doesn't mean you can't sort of say, you know, she would say to your seven-year-old, well, please don't drive, drive the car. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have the experience. I mean, it doesn't mean we should, we should just go, oh, let them do what they like. You know, sometimes you have to offer a little guidance, but, um, you know, we're all on this journey to, to becoming an old soul. And the, yeah. the challenge is that as you get to be an older soul, the veil becomes thinner between this plane and the next. Um, which is great because you tap into those positive talents and abilities and you connect more with, with other souls. But you also tap into the past life negative stuff, which is all the, the trauma and the, the challenging stuff we've had to deal with. Like, you know, you're talking about sexual trauma in a past life. Well, that will always or invariably show up as heart chakra issues in this life. Um, all sorts of blocks around that. Um, that's always an interesting one because what the soul will do when you're experiencing sexual trauma or a lot of different traumas is that it will, um, it, it will try to protect you by shutting down the heart chakra. So it's a sort of disconnection. Um, now, ideally, that should just be a temporary thing just to get you through the worst of the experience. What it does, it kind of numbs you out a little bit. So you, you, the, the, Trauma doesn't go quite so deep if the soul can do that, if it sort of disconnects. The difficulty is reconnecting. And if you don't get the chance to do that in a past life, you'll be very much doing it this life, um, which you're doing. You know, so mm. Part of your journey is to really open your, your heart chakra and be a loving presence and connect with others. And even through podcasting and stuff like that, draw other people in because that's a super way to heal yourself and help others at, at the same time. 
Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There's so much there that I want to respond to. You know, the, the old soul piece, I, I actually had a belief for many, many years that I believed that it was okay for hard things to happen to me because I had perceived that I was, I had more courage or I could draw down on it or I was stronger or whatever it was. Um, and yeah, it was a really unresourceful belief. It was just a way of me sort of saying, oh, well, you know, I can take the hits, so don't give it to somebody else. But I actually think that that's part of that old soul piece is because I've noticed that I've actually faced many challenges. And, you know, through, through the frame of human design, that's also the way I move through life. You know, I'm a line three, um, as you are as well. You're actually a one three. Um, and you're one of, and again, I'm not meant to have favorites, but one of my favorite incarnation crosses is yours. You're the vessel of love. And I'm sure you know that because your beautiful wife, Christine is into, uh, human design, but, um, yeah. Um, but I deviate. Um, what I wanted to come back to is watching my kids, especially my youngest son. Now he was the one that you actually said, like he's 90% there. You know, so he's technically probably the most, the oldest soul of the three of us, let's say. And one of the things that I notice with him is that every time a challenge comes up, and that can be a challenge that's a 2 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, he emotes, so he feels whatever's going on, and then you can constantly check in with him. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I feel sad, mum. I have this. I feel that. But there's this level of the way he moves through it I, that I really resonate with. And my oldest son does the same thing. He can re- he really get his head around things really quickly and move through the challenges much faster. So I feel like for me, that's very much what my experience of being an old soul has been. It's that, that awareness that like, I've got this, even though my ego and my brain is going, ah, like there's just that, that right. level. Well, when you've lived and died so many times, um, you you do get to recognize that, yeah, I can survive this. I'll get through it. You know, sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and get through an experience, but you, you, you build resilience from, from experience. Now, I, I mean, I don't mean that, I mean, sometimes there are things that life throws at us that are not part of the soul's plan and they can be, you know, extremely debilitating. Um, you know, so, but it, it, in general terms, you know, older souls tend to be deep down. There is that awareness that, yeah, I can probably get through it. Some don't. I mean, it's, it, mm. um, and there's certainly no judgment there. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that resilience does come with with experience. Also, what the soul is always doing is looking backwards for for um, reference. That's an interesting thing about the soul. It it doesn't so much look forward as um, it looks back, and this is why we get triggered by things um, that, in fact, some people can be completely disempowered because the soul keeps back going back to a place where it was disempowered and that then becomes almost like a default mode. Um, but it's always looking for past lives that offer reference, and it can use that, um, which is great sometimes to find a positive past life where you you transcended some major hurdles because you can use that energy um to you know, bring that into this life to you know, increase that level of resilience. Mm, I just love that. I think it's so fascinating. You know, we live in this this time where we now understand that there's all these different timelines and dimensions and all these other 
things going on that we're not aware of. And I just feel like this adds so much value to um, our evolution right now. It just really helps us, you know, even going back to the sexual trauma piece, like one of the things that I always thought was weird that although I had this trauma response, there was also a part of me that could be compassionate about, you know, the perpetrator, you know, and like I could be like, well, you know, that person had had a really, you know, fucked up life and he had all of the da 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 And I could, you know, I would often be like, that's so weird that I can have these two experiences inside of me, having compassion for him, yet feeling also that, you know, from the victim point of view. And something that you said in that reading was it's like I actually healed um, that part of it. I made peace with that part of it, with the perpetrator part of it in my last lifetime. And the, the fascinating part was actually exactly what you said. It's the heart. It was so much of my lifetime. Um, this life has been about really opening my heart and trusting that I can leave it wide open. And through the frame of human design, I have a wide open G center. So basically it's, it's like wide open for anyone and everyone to do and influence me in any way possible. So I feel like that's so in alignment with my design as well. So it's the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And it's writing right. that through and, and learning to trust that, um, it's always going to be okay if I leave it wide open. So, I know for me, so much of that experience and understanding, even, you know, the pieces that you've shared with me, and I'm sure there's a bazillion more, um, it's just really helped me, you know, create peace and keep my heart wide open. Like, oh, wow, you know, I can. It's safe in this lifetime, Um, which I just think is so beautiful. Now, the other thing that you talk a lot about that, again, blew my mind was the... um, the soul, oh, my God, the word just left my mind. That's it. The soul okay. types. Yeah, okay. Because when you went through my soul types, I, as you were speaking, I was like, oh, that's in my design, that's in my design, that's in my yeah. design. And I'm so fascinated because I don't actually think that one modality is king. I think human design is brilliant, obviously, because mm-hmm. I do a lot of work with it. But it's yeah. how we layer all these things together so that we can really live our most authentic self. Um, and these soul types I thought was fascinating. Again, when you just touched on the kids, you had no idea about their design. And one of the first things you said about both of them was like, they're going to do lots of different things. They're old souls. They're this. They probably don't fit into the school. That are, and I'm like, yep, my two MG boys. Like, yep, that's absolutely them. So can you talk to soul types? I know you've, you've written an entire book on soul types. Yeah. Um, I went to get it on Audible. I really, because I listen to a lot of my books, but it's not on Audible. Get it, put it on Audible, please. I need to, I need to record them. Yeah. So I got, uh, I talk about it in my first book and my third book very much. I cover, cover soul types. And, uh, so again, this is how uh, one of the major ways that past lives show up is that we choose our personality based on these archetypes, if you like, from, what really what we've done in previous lifetimes. So we have the the beliefs and the behavior and the traits and so on that come from certain soul types. So, and the system that I've got, this is something that makes me laugh is that um, my first book, the instruction is laid out, you know, to show things like the 10 soul types. And people say, your book is so well organized. And I go, yeah, thank God I got spirit guides to, to help me because I am, I mean, I'm ADHD. I'm like 
I, I joke about, you know, the inside of my head looks like chaos, you know, like the, how they describe the heavens and the earth before it was all kind of like it came together. You know, it's like shooting stars, things going off, random thoughts and stuff. But I have spirit guides, thank God. So what I got from them, and this, you know, soul types, I mean, the, the concepts have been around, you know, a very long time, you know, Jungian archetypes or whatever. But in this system, it's based on what you've done, what you learned to be. So, um, for example, I'm a creator type, creator soul type. Um, I'm all about creativity and um, more sort of very much more emotionally centered, very, very sensitive. And, of course, that's all helping me to, you know, when it comes to doing psychic work or paintings, as you can see in the background here. Um, so anything creative, no problem. But don't ask me to balance a checkbook or, you know, add up a tip on a bill or something like that. You know, certain things, um, strengths and weaknesses, you know, but that's what we have coming in from, from past lives. So there are 10 of these soul types. Uh, it's just a convenient way to break it down. There's nothing magical about the number 10 or anything. But, um, you, I mean, I, do you want me to talk about your soul types? For a yeah, I'd love you let's, to. That'd be great. Let's do that. Let me get, let me get that, your, your, your notes here. Okay. Let's just have a quick look. Okay. Um, all right. Well, the first thing is that you're, um, you're what's called a spiritualist a soul type. This comes from past lives. Um, past lives is a, um, healer, um, contemplative you know often see lives in monasteries and places like that it's a it's you know it's a great place for people who are more spiritually oriented but also um you know being a doctor being healer you know any kind i mean acupuncturist 500 years ago herbal doing herbal medicine like thousand years ago i mean it's uh, all of that contributes to you to being a spiritualist type. But the way it shows up for a very old soul like you is um, really wanting to have a higher purpose and making sure that this life has meaning and that people benefit from what you do. And then you have, let me just go back and check this again. Hang on one second. Yeah, you have um, a performer influence. Now, the performer is, well, you get to be a performer from experiences like singing, dancing, uh, acting, presenting i mean just anything that puts you in the spotlight in a uh in a past life and um or this life you, um so i mean you see perf performers everywhere and you know tv all the time and uh <clears throat> people who are generally more comfortable in the spotlight although you can have some fears that can interfere with that but it's really about in your case it's about overcoming issues around self-expression and really you know, this this is a life for learning to speak your truth. It also is to make you more comfortable with the idea of being in the spotlight. You've got a couple of things that show up. They're not soul types, but they're part of your life plan. And one has to do with really leaving a legacy, and the other has to do with fame. And it's not a shallow fame. It's about it's it's the soul's awareness that. For you to be as effective as you want to be in this life, you have to reach a lot of people. So you don't want any of the fears like self-expression or judgment to be saying, oh, oh, it's egotistical to want to do that. Or, you know, maybe I should just keep my, keep myself to myself or, you know, it's, it's something wrong with being in the spotlight. Cause we often get that message, you know, every soul type gets, gets negative messages from 
parents or teachers or others, you know, that performers are always getting that, you know, told they're too, they're too show offy or, you know, something wrong with wanting to be in the spotlight. But all of this is designed to choosing all of this is designed to make sure that you are comfortable going forward and that you have the, the, get the most bang for the buck that you want to influence a lot of people. Um, next element that shows up is we got the creator. It's a very common combination for old souls, by the way, because it, it really does work very well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The, the sensitivity of the creator is a really big thing there, you know, super, super sensitive. And, um, the, it also goes to autonomy as well. I mean, I know as a full blown creator that I, I mean, I, I was employed for three years after I left art school. I, I worked as an art director in London. And after that three years, I went, I will never work for anybody again. I became freelance and I've had my own business. I mean, I was an illustrator for years and then before becoming a psychic and doing all this work. Um, you can't, you, you can't be micromanaged. You can't be told what to do all the time, especially because some of the other fears. You have that don't tell me what to do thing very strongly. Don't fence me in. You want maximum personal freedom. Um, and I always say for somebody like you, the worst thing to happen is to be micromanaged. That's where you get that take this job and shove it kind of feeling, you know, somebody. So much. Oh my God. Like your, all of this. Neck. Yeah. Um, next element that shows up is the thinker, the very rational part of you. This comes from past lives as, um, maybe an intellectual, academic, um, explorer. Uh, but it gives you, it imbues you with a great deal of curiosity and also, because of the way it sits, I mean, there's all sort of subtleties here that we'll go into it, but the nuances. You want to, you want to learn and grow with everything that you bring into the world. And that makes it hard to settle on one modality to bring, you know, some people will, you know, they spend their entire lives just teaching or, you know, expressing one modality, you know, maybe an astrologer or whatever. Um, you need to have different things that you bring to to the table to you know it's like um the, the term the spirit guides use is a clearing house like this old banking term like everything comes in to you you kind of synthesize it and then you spit it out so you know i know human design is a big thing for you but it's going to be human design with a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you know um and it will always keep morphing and changing as you as you learn something new, I always say to somebody like you, you know, um, don't ever, you know, brand your business as one thing, you know, like, yeah, I'm a human design practitioner because next month you'd be good be going, Oh shoot, I want to be doing this as, as well. You know, so you have to kind of, you have to be careful how you brand yourself basically. Um, mm, I love that. And you, I got to just quickly say, because yeah. my whole transformation with human design is exactly that. Because I have to bring in all the other things, you know, I have to, because otherwise I feel like I'm not giving everyone the full story because the other yeah. things on their own are just not complete. Yeah, that's right. And you've got that curiosity and you're learning and growing and you want to bring it to the, the table, you know? So um, now here's, here's where I've, I always say this to clients like it's like it's boring up to this point. I go, here's here's where it gets interesting. But it is actually um, weirdly, this is a combination I'm seeing in your soul types that I don't see very often, except I've seen it like 
I don't know, three or four times in the last two weeks. I don't know. I get themes. Um, but what you got is it, it's something that seems very paradoxical um, because you've got the caregiver in there, which is like very nurturing, very feminine. This comes from past lives where you took care of children, animals, the sick and dying. Um, it's a sort of thing. If I see a full-blown caregiver, which doesn't happen very often, but uh, I could almost put money. I think I put this in my last book that, you know, almost guarantee that um, that person is going to be in hospice care or something very, very similar. Um, mm. Long-term care, very nurturing, um, you know, great for your kids and all of that. But seemingly paradoxically, you also have very strong masculine energy. You have what's uh, called the leader influence. And the, the leader, you learn to be just from leading, you know, from it could be running a corporation. It could be a general in an army. It could be a soccer coach. I mean, it's just, you know, gazillion different ways. You could be, you know, band leader, whatever. But but it was all about leadership. And it's chosen it's kind of for two reasons. One is that you want a little bit more um uh you you got you need to have a little bit more masculine energy really to sort of survive and thrive in the sort of world that we're in. Um a little bit more more ambition, a little more drive. And part of the reason that um uh, a lot of old souls will choose that is uh, um, because the drive does drop off a lot as you get to be an old soul. You know, if you just think of it, you've been doing this so often. Well, a lot of old souls get that that malaise, that feeling of like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> you know, been here, done it. You even see it in babies. I always joke about it. You know, look at a baby and it's kind of going, oh, shit, I'm back here again. What was I thinking? Um, it can be hard for an old soul. And uh, I call this Viagra for the soul when you have a leader influence like that. It, it, it gives you a little bit more, you know, certainly more energy, more more ambition, more drive. Mm. So that's that's sort of like the, the the nutshell way of looking at it. There's you get loads of different ways that these elements will, will interact with each other and then all other aspects of your soul's life plan. I mean, for example, a very, very common one is when you have like you do, you've got the performer and the creator sitting together. And that almost always implies a love of dance or yoga or some kind of elegant movement, sometimes martial arts even. But it's um it's about using the body, but not not in a sort of, you know, heavy duty sort of like getting into a scrum and rugby or something like that. It's it's more could be track events or something. But dancing is the you know, probably the one I come across most often. And people I tell them about that and they go, Oh, oh gosh, I you know, I danced when I was young, but uh, I'm not uh, you know, I haven't thought about this as a career and I'm not going to, I'm not really talking about a career here. It's like just you know, something that my spirit guides say all the time. They would apply to anything, but anything you enjoy doing. But they say you don't want to be 100 years old looking back on your life and wishing you danced more. Yeah. So even if it's just, you know, dancing with the kids in the kitchen or something, it just it doesn't have to be anything formal. But the movement is really good for integrating mind, body, and spirit. Oh, I love that. I've got to say, like, both um, my son, I think they were the two prim primary ones he said for my youngest son. Um, and he's very into music. Um, I, I don't think he's confident enough. He does, he's not really a dancer. But what's really fascinating is I have those two and um, I've always ridden horses and dressage specifically. So 
that's almost like that elegant dance type thing. And he loves it. He loves writing and he specifically loves dressage. I thought he'd be all about eventing, all about jumping things, going fast, all that sort of stuff. But he's very much more about that. So I think that's fascinating. Fascinating. can Can I tell you a little bit about where horse riding comes in? Please, because it, this, uh, you know, part of your experience, and I can't remember which which past lives we we looked at, but you've had this experience of powerlessness. This is why I was joking with you about you know the, you're bound to have used the, the term "Don't tell me what to do" before now. all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a past life fear of powerlessness, and it comes almost always from imprisonment or enslavement or institutionalization or something in a past life. It could also be being very, very trapped in anything. Um, and it would show up in this life as wanting a lot of personal freedom, like I, like I mentioned before, um, like a real feeling of don't fence me in and, uh, and, and the need for travel and stuff like that. Um, but the, if you imagine that you're, you're sitting in a prison cell, like it's 200 years ago, you're in a Turkish prison staring at four brick walls, and uh, this is your life, you know. You, you may be there till, till you die. Um, where this, where the um, soul goes is, oh, my God, what would it be like just to get out and smell the flowers, go for a walk on a beach, um, just go anywhere without, you know, even just go for a walk without a guard being around or, or whatever. So it it. It fixates almost on the on the freedom, and for so many past lives, the the epitome of freedom was to get on a horse and to just go anywhere, and that's why a lot of people who've been enslaved, incarcerated will will be into horse riding. It's it's also described too. The spirit guides talk about it being um, the search for the wind in the hair. The, the soul wants to feel the wind in its hair. Metaphorically, because obviously the soul doesn't have hair, but um, <laughs> I guess probably pretty obvious. Um, but it's it's usually something like horse riding, cycling, running, um, skiing, surfing, um, driving convertible, driving with the windows down, um, anything that gives you that additional feeling of of uh, freedom. And of course, mm. like I say, horse horse riding shows up all the time. Mm. I love that. I surf as well. And I um, I also had one of the past life meditations I did years ago um, took me into a prison in Roman times and I knew that Caesar himself had incarcerated me, um, that I was a general and got too much attention, so boom, I was in jail. And I remember thinking back then like, eh, am I just making this shit up? But it dawned on me, like, why would I make that up? Like, that is too random to be made up. So, yeah, yeah it makes and sense. And also because it would also go to things like, you know, you having a leader in you, you you know, you've been the general, you've been um, – and also explains, you know, why you need the freedom. The connections are pretty easy to, to make once you, once you figure out how this all works. Mm, I know. And when we first met and you told me the piece about um, – you know, the legacy piece that, you know, that wanting to have purpose and meaning, it blew my mind because at that moment, I still haven't decided what, but funnily enough, just yesterday I was deci- I was thinking maybe this tattoo that I was, um, that I spoke to you about, like I want to put a tattoo on my body that represents legacy. Um, at that time, I think it was just before I met with you, 
Um, at that time or just after, um, I bought a new horse, wasn't planning on it, was thinking about doing it next year. And would you believe the horse's name is Legacy? Would you believe that, right? Um, And then just yesterday I'm like, wow, I think this Legacy tattoo has to be a horse. And just having this conversation today, I'm like, wow, like you can't make this shit up. Like I think that's one of the greatest things that, you know, this journey for me and, and why I put this out into the world is because we when we do open our hearts and we surrender to the process and we allow life to um, take us where we need to go, we can just, it's so obvious. It's right there in front of us. Like all of this work really helps us just to confirm all those subtle knowings and feelings and the things we hear and see inside. And I just think it's so important for us all to be able to connect to this wisdom that lies within to help us guide, you know, ourselves and ultimately others through this crazy time that we're living in right now oh yeah yeah absolutely well that's part of the the old soul purpose is about you know you're always working yourself but you want to help others as well Mm -hmm. Mm. i know it's so interesting um how it's so innate you know like just going through this process whether it's through my design or working with you i'm like wow like i'm not crazy this is true this is really a thing and even the fame thing, I have said on this podcast so many times, I've said to so many practitioners in the past when they've said this to me, I'm like, yeah, but like back in your box chocolate, you know, like really have for so many years like really tried to rein myself in thinking that it's a bad thing. I mean, I'm Australian and we have terrible high, yeah, tall poppy syndrome here in Australia. But, again, this is all just confirmation. This is a way that I can be like, okay, heart open, trusting everything, um, move forward because it's actually so much bigger than me. You know, it's what's coming through me, not what my ego gets or does or whatever. So I love that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the great thing is that, you know, as you make these advances, you know, and understanding and opening the heart chakra and and growing, you, know, the, you don't slip back. You know, it's like it just keeps, it, it continues. Yeah. And I think it's super exciting. It's like an, It's like an adventure with no end to it. I know. I love when you said the explorer piece. I'm actually, my lineage um, is, uh, we're related to Sir Ernest Shackleton. And ever since I was really tiny, I've been fascinated by him. Like his book just lit me up. My grandfather looks like him. Like, um, yeah. And and I feel like I'm an explorer at heart. So again, it's like just all of these sort of confirmations. Now, how can people work with their past lives? Obviously, they can, we're going to put all your details here. So please share the website and the books and how they can access it, the Instagram. But how can people do this? Can they do it on their own a little bit or do they need to be working with somebody else? Well, I like to, I like to show people how to do these things, you know, so, you know, you, you, because we can do these things for ourselves. I mean, I have a, if you just go on Amazon or wherever, I've got a, um, you know, it's like a $10 past life regression. Um, you can get a hold of my books. We have a membership program. If you go to soulworld.com, that's, um, uh, that's our membership site. And we do a regression every month. Um, and uh, I mean, that's fascinating, you know, things that come up there and so we we do both regression and then we do a processing a week later to integrate everything and uh 
so this is something I've been working with uh, my wife and I have had for a few years. And it's a, it's a wonderful community as well, because that's an important thing. Old souls are looking for each other. Oh, yeah. We want to feel like we're part of something and, you know, that, that, that we belong. Um, so, you know, you, you can absolutely do it on your own. It, it just sometimes it's easier if you, or maybe more validating if you get it from, from somebody else. But we, I think we that most... was the biggest thing. The biggest mm-hmm. thing for me was having your wisdom and things that you said validate what was going on inside of me. I think that that's what's so important. Yeah, I think you know to a great extent we we have a lot of the answers, um, but we 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 don't know what we're looking for, what the signs are. And this is what I've tried to do, you know, particularly in the Old Souls Guidebook, my last book. It's a, you know really to to show how the whole thing works. This is my understanding. This is you know from working with spirit guides and you know um, yeah, it just because that's the thing about well past lives. If you don't know what you're looking for. You know, a lot of times people are really shocked and surprised. Oh, my God, I never thought that would be a past life thing, especially when doctors are going, well, can't figure this out. Yeah. I go, great. Let me have a look at it because that's uh, chances are it's going to be a past life issue. And so so many things are. And, uh, you know, we just hold these hold these memories and uh, and they, they can be released so quickly. Mm. So I mentioned this at the beginning, you know, sometimes people blow through things. Well, that's one story I put in the Old Souls Guidebook was somebody who blew through 20 years of chronic neck and shoulder pain the moment I told her about the past life of beheading. And uh, like, wow. as, I tell, as I'm talking about the, the, the past life, the pain's going. And um, she's turned up at a few of my live events and <laughs> going, yep, still, still fine. You know, it was, there was no physiological thing. It was just a purely spiritual, like a ghost memory of trauma um, oh, wow. from the past. So, oh my God, yeah. now I need to book my next session in with you because I'm like, I want to go through all these things in my body. I want to, I want to look at my freaking head, neck, and shoulders. It's the only area that I carry tension in my entire yes. freaking body. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. That's and I think you're so right. You know, from my perspective and the way I sort of articulate things, a lot of what you do is you make the unconscious conscious. You know, and once we're conscious of it, then we can do something about it. And I definitely found that experience of, you know, you said to me, just remind yourself that that was then and this is now. And that was incredibly powerful, you know. I've just been able to let go of so many um little things that were just insipid you know they're just always just kind of sitting there and then now they're not which is just so powerful yeah it's liberating you know it's a it's just a big feeling of freedom when you get over these things you know i yeah i i was you know my my whole life was affected by a huge fear of public speaking i mean i had it for for decades and uh it really came on when i was at school and you know i, I mean it was Right up until it was a few years after I started working with the spirit guides and, uh, they're going, come on, we got to fix this. And, uh, you know, if you have a fear of, you know, public speaking, performance anxiety, test anxiety, always goes back to judgment in a past life. And, um, you know, that, so that's what I did. I went back and found a past life where I'd been judged and then died. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
And the moment I, well, I say the moment, I mean, it took a few weeks, but, you know, very, very quickly, um, not only did that fear lift, but it helped my whole self-esteem. It felt great because I no longer had that worry about, oh my God, you know, it's like it's happened to me many times in the past. Somebody would say, tell everybody that joke you told me the other night. It's like, oh my God, there's 20 people here. I'm going to die. And, um, you know, you can get a panic reaction just comes on instantly. Um, so my self-esteem changed. Um, I felt much better about myself. I felt much more relaxed. Um, I was always very ashamed of having that fear. I mean, I never told people. I mean, it was like, you know, it's like people going, why is Ainsley just run out of the room? Well, it's because <laughs> I thought somebody was going to ask me to speak, you know. Um, I played in bands all my life, I mean, since I was 15, but I was the bass player who hid somewhere behind the drummer. I mean, I, I would come off stage and people would say, how, so how do you know the band? Because I was so invisible most of the time. Um, yeah, wow. So... You know, it's made it's it's made it possible for me to do the work that I'm doing, to you know, well, to be on your show. I mean, the me of you know, pre doing the past life work would not have come on the show. I wouldn't be doing podcast interviews. Wow! Like, how would you have sat with some of the epic people you've sat with? Like, how would you sit with Ellen with that? Far oh, out! I know. Well, imagine that. You know, because so. you never know what she's going to do. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. I was expecting somebody to jump out of a box or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, oh. As, just, as it turned out, there was none of that. But yes, it would have been impossible for me to do it before getting over the the, the fear. And so that's, yeah. you know, I have a like a very personal invested interest in helping people to get over stuff like this because it changed my life so much. And, you know, I really want to do that for others. I get super yeah. excited when I see people blowing through these things. Yeah, um, I know, just like love it. Physical ailments. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've just uh, been talking to somebody who, um, it was last year, the year before last. Um, this is how big it can be. Like this, somebody who got psoriasis at the age of two, and I talked to her, she's 59 years old. And she's had, so she's had it for 57 years. And, you know, usual thing, trying, trying everything. And two weeks, month later, it's just gone. You know, it's so related to past life. And it's not, a, I mean, I always wow. play down the expectations. I try to, you know, I always tell people, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully this will work. You know, I, I don't want to sort of, you know, you know, raise hopes or anything, but it's extraordinary just, you know, how, how often these things will, will shift. Mm. So, so it seems sort of miraculous, but when you understand all you're doing is just reminding the soul, stop worrying about it, let go, you know, let drop that yeah. memory. And it's like, uh, so I will say, not with a bang, more of a fizzle, kind of soul going, okay, stop worrying about it. Thanks for reminding me about the past life. Let's, let's move along. I love that. And I think that that's so much, you know, we live in this quantum reality. We live in this energetic world. And I think this is why you specifically are so powerful is because, you know, that humility also is very aligned to the, like you, your energy is so clean and pure and the intention is pure and it's that old soul energy that you talk about. And I genuinely feel like you are such an incredible gift. So please tell everyone, I know you've touched on your community and your website, but please tell everyone where they can access your books, your Instagram, your wherever they can get your work. Okay. Uh, Instagram, Ainsley under, underscore McLeod. Um, check me out on, fa on Facebook. 
Um, what else do you need to know? The Old Souls Guidebook is the most recent book. Check that out. Mm. Amazon, or I prefer you went to a, an independent <laughs> bookstore. I was going to say I have just ordered it from my local bookstore. Good. That's uh, <laughs> that's what I would do. But, you know, otherwise, yeah, I can get it on Amazon. Um, yeah. So uh, and my main website is ainsleymcleod.com. Amazing. Tells you all about the work that, that, that I do. And uh, so, yeah, follow me on online. Mm, I love so, it. Ainsley. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. I, you know that I'm a massive fan. Um, I really love the work that you're doing in the world and the, you know, the way that the work that we've done together already has just been really profound for me. So thank you so much. I'm one of your biggest fans. My my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. I trust you got what you needed from today's episode. And please go check out Ainsley. He's amazing. Um, and thanks for being here. I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone, for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.